Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you receive a blessing from this program. We hope that you will join us in person this Sunday at 9.30 for Sunday school and 10.35 for the service. We promise you will receive a warm welcome. For more information or to watch our services live, please go to gpnd.net. Now, let's join the service already in progress.
Jesus, the Lord. 
Everybody said? Amen. Amen. I'd like for you to turn your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, a very familiar passage. And today I'm going to do something a little bit different. Uh, I've had some people ask me some questions. So I have two big questions and then a simple one. And uh, so I'm going to take time and answer those questions. We'll do a little Bible study this morning, if you don't mind. Perhaps you're like the man in the church sitting on the back pew in Tennessee. The church has a guest speaker, and he's stomping, he's snorting, he's just slobbering everywhere, yelling at the people. And, uh, you know, he said, I just want you to know that all of you around here, you're all going to be dead soon. And everybody kind of sunk down in their pews a little bit, you know, except this one visitor, and he, he laughed some. The preacher, with more force, he said, it won't be long until everyone around you here will be dead. The people sank further down in the pew, except this visitor who was laughing even more. And the preacher said to the visitor, said, don't you understand I'm saying everybody around here is going to be dead? And the visitor just stood up and smiled. He said, I'm not from around here. (laughs) So, (laughs) good to have you this morning. Uh, Answer to three questions. We're going to read the passages first. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, they've died, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. You have hope, so you shouldn't sorrow like them. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep, who have passed on, in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent, precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the mighty, with the uh, voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Those who have passed on, their bodies will rise to meet their soul and spirit that's been with the Lord and unite in a glorified body. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's our hope as a believer, isn't it? Huh? Now, the question is this here. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. Revelation. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Now, this verse here, we read Thessalonians. That's about the body of Christ. 
Well, this verse here has been used by sincere believers in order to try to prove the pre-tribulation rapture, that we go up before the tribulation happens. And it's true, we do. Uh, we do go up. We that are saved, part of the body of Christ, we will be taken up before God pours his wrath out upon this earth during the tribulation of seven years. I was taught that as a Baptist, uh, as I grew up, uh, after I got saved and at, at Bible school and so on. I've heard many famous people use Revelation 4.1 as a means that that's the rapture. Come up hither. Heard Jack Van Empey say that, others on TV. Even in your Schofield Bible, if you have a Schofield, even it, it uh, Schofield says this, this, Revelation 4.1, come up hither, this seems clearly to indicate the fulfillment of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. So even Schofield, who's a dispensationalist, says that Revelation 4 is referring to the rapture. Okay? So I'm going to tell you the truth this morning. Amen? Real simple from the Bible. There's no connection between these two passages. No connection whatsoever. Revelation 4, come up hither, is not speaking to us, the body of Christ. He's speaking to an individual person. And I wrote down some things, very simple things. Here's the reason why. Thessalonians, which is written by Paul to us, the body of Christ, right? Thessalonians. Thessalonians has resurrected and glorified bodies given to believers who have believed in the gospel of grace. Revelation 4 is silent about John getting any kind of a body. Not the same. Thessalonians has a literal shout, literal voice, and a literal trumpet. Whereas Revelation says, has a voice as a trumpet, not literal. The third reason, Thessalonians involves a group of people, the body of Christ. Those that are living, those who have deceased on, being called up, resurrected, transformed, called up together to meet the Lord in the air and go to heaven. That's Thessalonians. Revelation 4, though, doesn't have a group of people. It's just talking about one single individual, the Apostle John. That's all it's talking about. Different passage. Thessalonians 4 talks of an archangel being present, whereas Revelation 4 has no archangel or any other angel. So... Revelation 4 is not the same as 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 in the rapture, okay? And the fifth reason, the last reason is this here. Thessalonians, to us, by the Apostle Paul, is not a prophetic insight into the future, but it's the climax, the end of the body of Christ on the earth going up to heaven. It's the fullness of the Gentiles. It's when we go up to heaven. That's Thessalonians. Now, Revelation 4 says this, if you would again. Now, notice, door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, a trumpet, talking with me, which said, come, now get this, up hither, I will show thee things which must be hereafter. I'm calling you up, and I'm going to reveal to you what's going to happen in the future. Revelation 4 is telling about the future. 1 Thessalonians 4 is talking about the body of Christ on earth has ended, and now we're in heaven. You see the difference? How many of you see the difference? You see the difference? Some of you don't care. You need smacked, okay? <laughs> Amen. The Apostle John, a spiritual leader, writer to Israel. Galatians 2.9, you know it well. And when James, Cephas, and who? John, who seemed to be pillars and so on. 
So John is the writer to the Jewish people. And he, when, he, when, when uh, the voice says, come up hither, John alone goes up and he receives direct revelation from God concerning the future in times and especially for Israel. The book of Revelation is not to us the body of Christ. The book of Revelation is about Israel, the Antichrist, the tribulation, and the coming of Jesus Christ. Revelation 1.7 says this here. Revelation 1.7. Did I write that down? I might, I might have missed that, but it's a good verse. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall well because of him. Even so, amen. Revelation 1-7 is talking about when he returns to the earth, those who have not believed, they're going to well, they're going to mourn because he returns and they see him. That has nothing to do when we go up to meet him in the air. Now, I want you to think this through. I want you to think this through, okay? Why would we, a believer in the body of Christ, see a preview of the rapture from the Apostle John when the Apostle John, when he never ministered to the body of Christ? Do you know... It's never recorded that he ever went to one Gentile. Never. He's not writing to us. He's writing to Israel. Paul is our apostle. Ephesians 3.2 says this here. If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word. It states in Romans 11.13, For I speak... To you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my office. You see, the rapture, when we go up before the tribulation, is a special coming of Christ, and we, the body of Christ, will meet him in the air. And when we go up, that ends the dispensation of the grace of God. Okay, and let me just say this, and you'll have to study this. There's no, no more dispensation of grace of God on the earth. It will be us in heaven. Now, you need to just think that through. It was a secret, the, us rapture, it was a secret revealed only to Paul. He is alone in 1 Corinthians 15. So, Revelation 4.1, when you use it, out of its context, and you try to push the rapture there, what you're doing is you're mixing dispensations together. And you are creating confusion once again. Okay? Just because he says, come up hither, that has to be rapture. No, 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 it's not the rapture. It's John being taken up to heaven, and he is given revelation about what's going to happen in the end times. Okay, question number two, and I've had several of you ask me this. How can Christ be in heaven and earth both during the kingdom? 1 Thessalonians 4.17 again. Notice the last part of that verse. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. See, we're going to be with Jesus. I'm going to be there. He's going to be next to me. I'm going to see him and all this and everything. But the question is, if we're reigning in heaven and Israel is reigning on earth for the thousand years, how can we be with him if he's reigning on the earth and we're in heaven? Well, first of all, you need to study out about omnipresent that would be a good thing for us, right? He can be anywhere, every time, whenever he wants. And then there's a possibility he might go back and forth. Amen? He might go to Israel, he might come up and say, hey, <laughs> you know what I mean? He has that possibility. But let me just give you a couple of reasons. Now, I want you to do a Bible study with me here, okay? I think it would be good if you, if you follow me on this. One, remember... 
after the rapture and Christ returns and sets up his kingdom and we're in heaven and all that, just remember this, it will be one overall kingdom that has two realms. You know, the very first verse of the Bible indicated this is what was coming. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Heavens and the earth. Amen? A twofold purpose. Just like somebody says, well, if Paul's the first one saved in the body of Christ, it states that there were others in Christ before Paul. Yes, they were. A person has to be in Christ or he's not saved. That went for the Jew and for the Gentiles. Both are in Christ, yet separate. One's the nation of Israel. The other is the body of Christ. Both in Christ, though. Separated, but in Christ. Okay? There's only one Christ, two realms. Jews and the body of Christ. Hello? Earth is Israel's reigning. Revelation 5.10 says this here. And hath made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Who's that talking to? Book of Revelation is talking to the Jews. Chapter 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him how long? A thousand years. Israel will be the main country on this earth for a thousand years when Christ returns to earth. At the same time, in heaven is where we're reigning. It states in 2 Corinthians 5.1, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, our body, were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have blessed us with all spiritual blessings, where? In heavenly places. Chapter 2, verse 6, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together, where? In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 4.18, And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his, what? Heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So you and I today, if the rapture happened, we would go up and meet the Lord in the air, and we go to our responsibilities in the heavenlies. That's where we're going to reign. And while we're up there, God will send the tribulation on the earth, and then he will return to the earth himself, set up the nation of Israel, David's throne, his throne, upon the earth for a thousand years. How many of you understand that? Say amen. A couple of you. Amen. Now, some people think that Jesus is going to be right here their entire eternity. Okay? 1 Thessalonians 4.17 again. The last part, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now that word with, you see that word with? The end of the verse there, with. Now that's an important word. That word with it can mean this here, close physical proximity, being next to another. And by the way, that's, it's mostly translated that way. For example, Acts 8.31. And he said, how can I except a man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with, right next to him. That's close. Okay? It also says this in Galatians 2, 3. But neither Titus who was with me. Titus is with me. Close. Okay? So if he's close and we're in heaven and he's on the earth, how can he be with me? So that's what people ask, right? Now don't miss this now. The word with, okay, 
The word, just leave that up there. The word with can also mean this here, being on the same team, having a shared goal, a shared purpose. We're joined in one pursuit without being next to an individual. For instance, Romans. That is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith. He wasn't next to him, but he was next to them spiritually with him in the faith. It states in Philippians 2.18, For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. They were not right next to him. He's in jail. They're not in jail, but they were with him. See that? Romans 15.30 says this, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me. I want you to be with me in striving for Christ. The ideal in these verses is not to be physically next to, to be physically close to one, but it's connecting around a common bond, a common goal, a common ground. Together, wherever we are, we're rejoicing. Together, wherever we are, we're praying. Together, wherever we are, we're trusting God with others. So physical distance is not under consideration when I'm talking about ever with the Lord. We can do things with people around the world today, even though we're physically not next to them, but we're with them. The other day I pulled up Dean Padaig's website, and each day he has what's called soul, soul food. Before you eat lunch, have your devotion. And he calls it soul food. He's in South Africa. But you know, I was with him when he had his service. People today, some are watching on live stream. They're with us in this service, even though they're not next to us. Hello? So, 1 Thessalonians 4.17, it's not to be understood in the sense of sitting face-to-face -face or side-by-side, -side, even though he might do that sometimes. <laughs> but it's talking about we're a team. We have one purpose, one mutual end, one concerning matter, and that's to bring him glory. Redeemed Israel will be Christ's representatives of his earthly authority on earth. And we, the body of Christ, are Christ's representatives in the heavenly authority. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 again, with the Lord means we're on his team. We're ruling and reigning with him. We, the body in the heavenly realm, have his authority to accomplish his purpose. So when it says with the Lord, it doesn't mean he has to be right next to me all the time. But I'm with him in spirit. I'm with him in purpose. I'm with him in teaching. I'm with him in what his will will be. At that time, I sure will be. <laughs> but I might not be right next to him. How many of you understand that? Okay? Now that's important because you're going to face that people use those verses they say, what about that? And, and sincere believers want to find that out. And I did my studying this week here, and it was a blessing after I got into it. So just remember this. It's one enormous kingdom. And it's spanning between heaven and earth. Both Israel on earth and us in heavens. Honoring. God and his Christ. Amen. 
Some of us, though, are so worldly. You don't want to leave this world. And you always want to get us back on this earth some way. You think heaven's not going to be like the world. It's going to be better. That's right. <laughs> but boy, you know, I see the earth. I want to be here. Set your affections on things above, not on things on earth. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're pilgrims in journey just through this old world today. That's not going to last all the time. Some people go, hmm, they got it. <laughs> That's a spiritual problem. That's not a problem with God. The fact that you even get to go to heaven is a blessing. You don't deserve to go there, and I don't. But because of his grace, we get to. Matter of fact, that's why he's going to give us glorified bodies so that we'll be able to handle heaven. <laughs> Amen. The third question, I close with this. How is, does salvation transpire? How does it happen? Well, the story is very, very simple. I gave a little outline like this one time, and I liked it. The father thought it. Back in eternity, for some reason, the father planned he purposed what he would do in the future, and then he acted upon it. God so loved the world he gave. God commendeth his love toward us. He acted. And then the son bought it, salvation. On an old cross, he died for our sins, was buried, and he rose again. Ephesians 1, 7 says this here, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Christ died, shed his blood on Calvary's cross. Acts 20, 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, the church, which he hath purchased with his own blood. You are bought with a price, and it's Jesus Christ. Amen? The Father thought it, the Son bought it, the Holy Spirit wrought it. You say, what does that mean? He made it happen. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation. Now notice, through the sanctification, the setting apart of the spirit and belief of the truth whereunto he called you by our gospel to obtaining, and so on. Do you understand that the whole Trinity was involved in salvation's plan and achievement? 1 Peter 1-2 says this, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, he purposed plan, through the setting apart sanctification of the Spirit of God, he worked on your heart unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. The Father purpose planted, the Son made it possible through his sacrifice and resurrection, and now the Spirit of God tugs on our minds and on our hearts. This is what you need. This is what you can trust and believe in for your eternal soul Believe this and you'll have eternal life. Amen. Have you believed it yet? Then the Bible taught it. Ephesians 1.13 says this, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that ye believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. The Bible says he died for your sins, was buried and rose again. That's enough to save you. The Spirit of God's working on your heart, and you come to the conclusion that religion can't save you, yourself can't save you, but I believe what Jesus Christ has done can save me. Lord, I believe. And when you believe with your heart, that's when the Spirit of God comes and takes up residence with inside your body. And because of his presence, that's why you can put off the old man and put on the new man. That's why you can live for Christ. Because now you have God indwelling you.
The Israelites had to go once a year. <laughs> once a year, and the high priest go into the Holy of Holies, therefore. Here we have God with us, the Holy of Holies living within us as believers. Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing how? Don't believe me, believe what the Bible says. That's what's important. And then the devil fought it. Isn't that just like the devil? But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Anytime truth is sown into your mind and into your heart, he does his best to obstruct it, to stop it, to give you excuses why you should not believe, to try to give you another false way or a false way rather than believing the truth. And he'll stop you from trusting the gospel if at all possible. So the father taught it, the son bought it, the Holy Spirit wrought it, the Bible taught it, the devil fought it, but I caught it. Amen, amen. I caught it. Have you ever caught it yet? Huh? Down in your soul? Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us, made us alive, resurrected us together with Christ by grace. Are you saved? All my sins, totally forgiven. I was dead. Now I'm alive. I was in bondage and chains of sin. Now I have freedom and liberty in Christ. I was on my way to an eternity in hell. But now I'm bound for heaven. Before I had no answers. But today... I have hope. How about you? Do you have hope today? Titus 2.13, are you looking for it? Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you have that hope this morning? If you've been saved, you have it. If you've not been saved, you need to be saved. How do I be saved? Understand that Christ died for sins, was buried, and rose again, and you believe that's enough to save you. You believe that with all your heart. There's a difference between faith and trust in a sense that faith is mentally agreeing that's true, but trust is when you lean up on it. I've said before, it's like a chair. You look at the chair here, or wherever there be one, you know it will hold you up, but it's not with the heart until you sit in it. You need to sit in it, that Jesus is enough. Father, we love you. We thank you for grace. We thank you for the gospel. We're thankful for the truth that we can study. We know the rapture, that we're going up to be with you. We know that you will be with us, but in different ways in heaven. And God, may we just accept what your word says. And I just pray that it clarified in some people's minds and hearts today. But regardless of whatever it is, the fact that we'll be in heaven and you'll be there from time to time or all the time, it's fine with us. We're just glad to be there. <laughs> and God, I just pray that if there's somebody here today that's never said, God, I believe this is enough to save me, Christ and his work. May they believe it today in their heart, in their soul, even at this moment, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. We hope that you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you to visit us in person. You can watch us live and view past services on our website at gpnd.net. For more information, please visit our website or contact us by phone. Until next week, may God richly bless you as our prayer.